I didn't know how to be a father. And so I did the only thing I knew to do was I cried out to the one who I knew knew exactly how to be a good father. I said, you got to help me because I don't know how. And for the last 24 plus years, he's been helping me and he keeps helping me. I still get it wrong. I still make a mistake more often than I get it right. But he is a faithful father that will help me to be a good father. We don't have to do it on our own, dads. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We don't have to do it and figure it out on our own. We have the word of God and we have our precious heavenly father that will help us to be the dad we ought to be. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful I don't have to do this on my own, Brother Lewis. Amen. Praise God. My kids are a handful. If I had to do this on my own, I'd never make it. Amen. Praise God. I'm glad you're here today. Why don't you grab your Bible, if you would, this morning? I uh, want us to dive into the word of the Lord. I... uh, I'm thankful that we have a heavenly father. I said, I'm thankful that we have a heavenly father. Amen. And uh, he is the best father that anyone could ever have. I know that without a doubt. I know that without a doubt. I grew up in a home part of my life with no father. And then I grew up in a home with a father that did all he knew to do, but had a tremendous amount of pressure on him when he married my mom and she came with two kids in tow. And he had a child of his own and then they had another child and the pressure on him as a young man He always made sure we had a place to live. We always had something to eat. There were some rough patches along the way. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen. Aren't you thankful that we serve a faithful God? If you don't know him as your father, you can. You can. He wants to be a father to you. The book of Luke, chapter 11, I'd like to read there this morning. There's something that the Lord has been dealing with my heart about. And uh, I feel like he wants to share with us a simple thought today. But if we would let him, he would put it in our spirit. said Luke 11 I don't think that's what I wanted praise God Luke 12 praise Luke chapter 12 praise God It's interesting. I've uh, 
you were here Wednesday night and the way the Lord talked with us Wednesday night and then about separating unto the Lord, drawing nigh to him, um, the idea of tolerance and approval and that transition in what we do in the church. Um, I was connecting to the ministry in Puyallup Wednesday night uh, on Friday when I was driving back from Pullman. And Brother Heiner ministered there on becoming too comfortable with evil. I think the voice of the Lord is trying to talk to us, and the Lord is trying to draw us unto himself for what he's wanting to do. And we can get caught up in the things of this world and the cares of life. Life continues. We must live life, right? We don't stick our head in the sand and go, well, okay, God, make it all better, right? We have to live life. We have to make choices, but we do those things by the leading of his spirit rather than our own human intuition. And when we make the choices and decisions of our life by the leading of his spirit rather than our own choosing, life has a way of all of a sudden beginning to change for us and around us because we're no longer making our own choices. We're allowing the Spirit of God to influence and direct our choices. And when that begins to happen, life begins to happen. You understand, as long as I'm living myself and making my own choices, you can say, well, I'm good at making choices. I make good choices myself. As long as I'm doing that, the Scripture, you know what the Scripture calls that? The Scripture calls that iniquity. Iniquity is when I live my life the way I want to live it rather than the way he wants me to live it. Rather than letting him direct my life, I direct my life. That's iniquity. Well, we may read Luke 12 here in a minute. What happened, there's an interesting passage of Scripture where the Lord says that he was separating some people out. And as he was speaking to them, the ones began to talk to the Lord about what they had done for him. About their actions. They were, just in case the Lord didn't know what they had done. And so they began to tell the Lord, Lord, in your name, we cast out devils. In your name, Lord, we healed the sick. We did many wonderful works in your name, Lord. And you know what the Lord said to them? The Lord said, depart from me. Why? Because of the works they did? No. He said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You may have done some things in my name. I may have manifested my power through your life when you operated in the power of my name, but you chose to direct your own life all along the way. And because you chose to direct your own life rather than allow me to direct your life, that makes you a worker of iniquity. Depart from me, he says, I never knew you. Those are strong words, aren't they? 
Those were the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me this morning. I have had to repent along the journey. Of living and directing my own life. And I have to find an altar every day just so that I don't start trying to take control and run my own life. I want him to run and direct my life. I want him to order my steps in his word, like the psalmist wrote. You say, you mean I can I can come to church and I can pray and I can be faithful in things and I can tell other people about him and I can be a, a good Christian. I can do all that stuff and still be a worker of iniquity. According to the word of God. Because the definition of a worker of iniquity is someone that's directing their own life rather than allowing God to direct their life. Let's read. We are going a whole different direction than I thought. Everybody doing all right? Say amen. Or oh me, one or the other. But Do we want the Lord to direct our lives? Do we want the Lord to have his way in with and through us for his glory? I know we do. So let's hear what he says. Luke chapter number 12. Let's start with verse 22. Luke 12 and 22. Jesus is speaking. He said to his disciples. Watch what he says. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for what? What? He could not preach this in the 2000s. I mean, people would look at him like he's crazy. The word of the Lord is forever true. Jesus said to his disciples, take no thought for your life. Is he saying, quit thinking? I don't think so. But he's saying, hey, some people, you just get wrapped up in worrying about your life and all your thought is about your life. And as a result... You're not really letting me lead your life. Take no thought for your life, what you'll eat. And I wake up in the morning, sometimes that's the first thing I'm thinking about. Some of y'all are sitting here today thinking about that right now. <laughs> what are we eating when he's done? Right? My, I don't know about your family. My family, we can be sitting down eating. Well, like, my, like if all my family gets together, like we're traveling, visiting family, we can all get. We can be sitting down eating, and while we're eating, we're talking about what we're going to eat the next time we. Anybody else ever do that? We think about what we're going to eat. Now the Lord's talking broader than that, right? He's talking about these things, the needs of our life, the things we have need of. Take no thought what you're going to eat, neither for the body. What you shall put on, verse 23, the life, your life, my life. The life is more than meat. It's more than raiment. 
Verse 24. Now the Lord gives us a contrast here. Because we always think about how do I take care of myself? How do, how do I do this? How do, and he gives us this contrast. Consider the ravens. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't have storehouses or refrigerators or pantries where they go put stuff away. They don't have a barn. And God feeds them. Then he asks us this question. How much more are you better than the fowls? Are you better than a bird? Are you, are you better than a raven? You know, ravens, they like to eat anything. Roadkill. Are you better than that? You are better than that. We are better than that. We are. We, God created ravens with his word. He just spoke and they came into existence. You and I, we're of so much value. He formed us, framed us, breathed the breath of God into us to give life to us. That's how valuable you are. And so he gives us this contrast. He says, don't think about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't get caught up in those things. The ravens, you're much more valuable than the birds I've created and I take care of them. Won't I take care of you? Verse 25. And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If you then be not able to do that thing which is the least, why do you take thought for the rest? Now the scripture, the writer here keeps using the term take thought, take thought, take thought. What he's really talking about is why do you get anxious? Why do you get worried? Why are you troubled about these these things, why do these things weigh on you and seem to eat at your... Why would you not believe that the Lord is going to care for you? See, the enemy of our soul, our flesh, and the spirit of this world would cause us to get caught up in thinking about all the natural things and use it as a mean to distract us from focusing on things that really matter, which are the spiritual things and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why someone would not think. I'm not saying like anyone here. I'm just saying some people. Some people would not think of going, you know what? And they'll give me overtime. You won't see me for a couple months. You won't see me for a few months, Brother Hart, because I'm going to be working overtime seven days a week. I got to get some money set aside. I got some things I got to do. And we put our focus on how can I care for myself? Versus if I let the Lord direct my life. Verse 27. Watch what he says. Consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not. They spin not. And yet I say to you. Jesus is speaking here. Yet I say to you. That Solomon in all of his glory. He was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, no matter, even with all the money that Solomon had and all that he could buy and all that he could put on, he wasn't clothed and covered as beautifully and as wonderfully as the lilies in the middle of the field. And the Lord did that. If then, verse 28, God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow it's cast into the oven, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? How much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? 
The Lord is appealing to his disciples. He's trying to have a shift take place in their thinking that understands God will direct your life and care for you if you allow him to. I'm not talking about shirking responsibility, right? I'm not talking about I'm going to walk out of here tomorrow and quit my job and say, okay, God, you got to take care of me. Some people go to that extreme. That's not what the word of the Lord say. They need to read the whole letter, right? Timothy was written to by the apostle Paul and Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you better work because if you don't work and provide your family, Timothy, you're worse than an infidel. It's in the word. So there's some responsibility we have here. But we understand the Lord directs our steps and the Lord will direct our life. And when we pursue him and let him direct our life, will there be circumstances come our way that don't make sense? Will there be things that come our way that we can't make heads or tails of? Absolutely. And so here comes the moment of decision that you and I face in relationship with him as our father. Will I solve it on my own? Or will I find a place where I say, Father, what do you want me to do? It's the decision between him directing my life or me becoming a worker of iniquity. I have some of you have heard me share this example before, but it just keeps turning and comes back to my spirit again and again and again. I'm reminded when. It's Father's Day, so I can talk about these things and we can relate. When my children were small, I could tell them whatever, man. Jump off the chair and I'll catch you. And they'd jump. And I could, you know, I mean, I could do anything. True story. One of my kids, one time when they were really little, I was swinging them. I would, I would swing them by their legs, right? They were, they were shorter. <laughs> That's how they got so tall, though. I, uh, <laughs> don't try this at home. No. I would swing them by their legs, right? And I think they were two, maybe. Yeah, they were two. Do not do this at home. And and do not do this if your mother-in-law is present, which was what I happened to be doing. And and I would swing them, and I'd swing them like this between my legs and go like that, right? And swing them up, and they loved it. It was wonderful. And then I'd throw them in the air, and I'd catch them. Right? Let Let go of their ankles, right, and catch them. Yeah, you see where this is going, don't you? Yeah, Sister Brittany's shaking her head, and she's like, oh. And so it looks sort of like that happened with Darius. He got tall. So, and so I would swing my, and, and I dropped them. True story. I, I dropped them about right here, right on their head. Boom. Mother-in-law was sitting across the room at the table. I know it took every ounce of will that she had to stay sitting in that chair and not tear into me. They turned out all right, I think. And, and if something goes sideways, they can just say, my dad dropped me on my head when I was little. So they have like a built-in deal. And the point is, when they were little, they would, they would trust me with Whatever. Now, if I tried to take one of my kids now, they'd be like, what are you doing? I could, I could say, hey, run and do that. Go do this. Do I mean, whatever. They just go do. I mean, you know, they probably told me no once or twice in their life. Uh, 
Probably not more than once or twice in their life. <laughs> you laugh, but I'm dead serious. They, they got away with no, telling me no once or twice, maybe three times, but that was about it. I thought if they don't learn to respect authority when they're little, they definitely won't learn to respect it when they're older. And if they won't respect the authority of their father and their mother, they won't respect any authority. We just seem to keep touching these things about children along the way here. And it is Father's Day. Your kids need to hear the word no. Parents. I'm just going to let you in on a secret. I'm almost 50 so I can say this stuff now. If your kids grow up not being told no and understanding that no means no... You will raise a spoiled brat. I'm just going to tell you. I tell you that in love. You understand? I tell you that in love. They have to hear no and understand. I, I can tell you, my kids are older now. They know if dad says no, you know what they think it means? <laughs> right. They don't think it means, well, I'll just push harder till he says yes. They, no, they know. If I've said no, it's the end of the story. Do they think I don't love them because I say no? No, they're old enough now that they understand when I said no, it was love. Now, they may have thought it was unkind. They don't love me. I don't know that they ever said that to me, but they need to hear no. So, so I... I I drop my kid on their head. They're doing all these. So then they get older, a little bit older. Not quite teens. We're going, everybody all right? They're not quite teens. And um, now they're not so in tune with dad telling them what to do. Or mom telling them what to do. Right? I mean, they'll listen, but they don't always like it. Right? Just like you and I. Just like your kids, if you have kids, right? We're all, all of us are this way, right? We get a little, I don't, don't tell me, I got this. And then somewhere along the way they get, I don't know what the ages are, where it happens. It probably varies somewhere between 13 and 14 and 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. Teen, if it's got teen on it, it probably starts happening in there. Right? And some are hitting adolescence quicker, so it's happening at 11 and 12. But whatever. This, and so what happens is now, you know what? Mom, don't, I, I know what to do, Mom. You don't need to tell me. Dad, I know what's going on. You don't need to. And so they go through these phases. This is part of life. What are they doing? They're finding out who they're. And so we all do this. And, you know, we understand this in the natural. This happens in the spiritual as well. When we come to God and, and we're just broken and undone and we've made a mess of our life and we're just we're just feel the godly sorrows producing repentance in our life we're ready to make a change and we're ready to go a different direction we don't come to him going don't tell me what to do god oh no then we run to him lord help me tell me what i'm supposed to do i've made a mess somehow get me out of this somehow i'll make that trade that we sang about earlier do a work in my life god and we and then he can tell us whatever and we're like man yeah but we grow and mature in God. Or we should. But if we're not careful, we mature in the flesh, not really in the spirit. 
And we start thinking, you know, Lord, I got this right now. But I'll let you know if I need anything and you can then tell me what I'm supposed to do. We go through spiritual adolescence. That's what it is. Somebody write that down. We'll make a book. Of it. Spirit, we, do, we do. We go through spiritual adolescence where we start this pushing back against God. And maybe we don't even realize it. Maybe it's just we're not listening to him at all or we're not we're not listening for his voice. We're not trying to be attuned to the voice of the father. We're just simply going, you know, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I go to church. I pray. I read the Bible periodically. I, I feel good about things. I got good things going on in my life. And I go through the day not even concerned if I'm hearing his voice at all or not. I'm just going through my day. And but if I hit a bump, I'll call him and he'll be there and he'll. Spiritual adolescence. Just living my life my way. Trusting that my father's always present if I need him, not far away, a phone call away or a prayer away. Of course, he's always present. But I've watched this progression as my children have started to get into their 20s, which I don't feel like I should be that old, but I guess it's happened. I've watched now where they're, and if you've got kids in that ages, maybe you've experienced this. If not, hopefully it's coming. Where they said, Dad, would you just tell me what to do? Don't, don't like give me some advice and make me, just tell me. I was, I, I've told you this before. I was on the phone one night with somebody and I just was, they were asking questions. I was just, I got off the phone and one of my kids looked at me and said, why don't you do that with us? Just tell us what to do. I believe the Lord, his desire for us is that we would come into a place in relationship with him. True spiritual maturity, true spiritual maturity is coming to a place to where I just wait for him to tell me what to do. What about this decision? I don't know yet. I'm waiting. You're going you're to think this is silly. No, you won't. I had somebody text me yesterday or Friday. And they text me a simple thing. No big deal. No problem. It was. They were just communicating to me, which I appreciated the communication. And the second they sent it, I read it. That doesn't always happen. I take my phone sometimes and go put it away. I'm connected to two phones. I don't need them in my hand every second of every day. Neither do you. And. Uh. But I happened to see the text right away. And I was getting ready to respond and I'm like, no, nah, I don't know that I want to say that. And so I closed the phone. I sat it down. I'm like, because the communication caused something, just sort of touched something in my spirit. I didn't have like angels sing and the Lord said, thus saith the Lord about that text right now. That didn't happen. But I, the, the simple one-line text came my way. And it, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It just something sort of touched my spirit. When I was getting ready to respond, I'm like, hold on, I'm not responding. And some of you are sitting here going, was it me that sent that text? Was it me that sent that? <laughs> uh, and so 
I thought, I'm not responding. I'm not responding, Lord. I, it's turning. I'm thinking about it. I wasn't. I really was. You're thinking over one. And it wasn't a big deal. I don't want you to get the wrong picture. I, the Lord's wanting to help us this morning. It wasn't a big deal. But I, I just knew it sort of touched something there. And I couldn't just ignore that, Sister Sam. I couldn't just push it aside and ignore it. And so I didn't want to respond in my own humanity. You think, good grief, Brother Hart, it's just a text. Just send a response and leave it alone. Just give them a thumbs up and call it good. Right? That's what some of us do. That's a cop-out, right? Thumbs up. (laughs) I hope you're listening with your spirit this morning. And I waited. I was going on about my day, but every once in a while I was like... Man, I need to respond to that text. This is true. This is how this works. And I, I'd look at it and I'd, I'd frame some words and like, no, nope, I'm trying to I don't, close the phone again, sit it back down and going on about. And periodically I'm thinking about responding to this text and I don't know if I responded to it. Or if I got a follow-up a few hours later, I, I, don't, I can't remember exactly the timing of it now. If I had my phone, I'd tell you, but neither here nor there. But somewhere along the way, I, I was praying about this one-line text. And if you knew what it was, you'd be like, really? you were playing? I can't explain it. I just knew it marked something in me. We need to understand what are we doing when we live our lives day by day, day by day, every interaction. I'm not telling you to overthink it. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you don't have to overthink it. You recognize a prompting of the Spirit, a wait, a move, a don't, go forward. I got be, you rec- We don't want to overanalyze. That's not the design of God. right? If I tell my children, go there, stand, they don't go, okay, was that really Dad telling me to go stand there? Does there mean in the corner by the... Or does there mean on the stairs? Or or what does exactly... And how am I supposed to stand? And should I... We do that with God. You're laughing, but we do that with God. You know what we're doing, don't you, when we do that? Is we're putting off obeying Him. That's exactly what we're doing. Well, I don't know if that was really God that told me I should stop doing this thing that violates His word or not. Really? I don't know if it was really God that told me I should start doing this in my life that would please him. I don't know. That might have just been me. Well, guess what? If it pleases him and it was you or him, just go ahead. But we need to understand we can overanalyze the voice of God versus when we're filled with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost. The scripture calls that in one place. It calls it in Matthew, I believe, chapter 10. That is the spirit of the father. That dwells within us. And so what do we do? If we don't want to be a worker of iniquity. And we want to follow the Father. We want the Father telling us and directing every step. I'm not going through my day going, okay. All right, is that okay? Now, God, can I go ahead and start my car? Or should I wait for a moment? You understand? I'm not talking about foolishness. 
I'm talking about living with a sensitivity in our ear and our spirit, seeking to be led by his spirit every day, every way. And you say, man, I want that. You can have that. You're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You just purpose to be in tune and sensitive. Start your day. God, I submit my mind to you. I submit my spirit to you. I submit my ears to you. I submit my thoughts to you. I would that you would direct this day according to your will. I want to walk according to your plan, not my own. And guess what? He will direct your life. This is what he's saying to his disciples. You're getting all caught up thinking about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, how you're going to do this, how you're going to pay this bill, how you're going to deal with this situation you got with your kid. What are you doing over here? What are you doing over there? And the Lord is saying, hey, you're getting your focus on the wrong thing. If you'll let me lead you, watch what he keeps saying. Verse 29. Seek not what you shall eat, what you shall drink. Don't be of a doubtful mind. Don't be of a doubtful mind. Verse 30. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father. Everybody say my father. Your father knows that you have need of these things. He knows. He knows what you need have you ever have you ever had uh, your child tell you or a loved one tell you I really need a coke or something like that you fill in the blank I really need a what was it I really, right, you, you fill in the blank, right? I really need a, I really need a whatever. And you and I both know, hold on a minute, that's not a need. Right? right? We've all done that, haven't we? Man, I, I need a caramel macchiato right now. I, I, I just hit a nerve for somebody, I could tell right there. Sister Mary said, Hallelujah. But we know that's not a need. Have you ever had your children tell you they need something and you realize, no, you think you need, but you don't need. But I'm the dad and I know what you need. And so you might think you need, but this is what you need. And so I'm getting you what you need. This comes back to my mind. I remember when I was a child, I always wanted a pair of Nike tennis shoes. Isn't that silly? It's silly, I know. I wanted a pair of Nike tennis shoes. I'd go to school, and we didn't have much. Um, I don't want to say we were poor because I've seen what poor looks like. We had a home, a place to live anyway. We had food to eat. I had clothes to wear. That's not poor. I've seen poor. And so, but my, the shoes I had, the tennis shoes I had, I'll never forget it. It was fifth grade. They were three bucks at the military PX. They were the tennis shoes that all the new soldiers wore at boot camp when they had to run and they got them tennis shoes to run. 
they were like about that thick rubber on the bottom and canvas on the top. I still remember to this day, it bruised me as a child. When I wore those to school, I was excited about getting new tennis shoes because they were new. They weren't like hand-me-downs. They weren't from a Goodwill or anything. They were new, but they were three bucks. I didn't know how much they were. I was in fifth grade. I didn't buy them. And so I had these $3 shoes, and I went, and I was all excited. I went to my friend Mark Scott to show him my new shoes at school. And he didn't say anything, but some other kids did. He was my friend. That's why he didn't say anything. But I learned that day those shoes were called Bobos. I, I don't guess they call shoes that anymore. But that's what they called them then. If you wore, if you wore those tennis shoes, those were called Bobos, which was not an endearing term. I was so humiliated. My parents had bought me what I needed. I thought I needed Nikes. I, I went so far... The things we do as kids, I went so far, I would put those shoes on when I'd leave for school, but I have a different pair of shoes tucked inside somewhere. Because I knew if I left without wearing those shoes, my parents would be like, where's those shoes we bought you? And I walked to school, and so I would change shoes before I'd get there. Some of you kids... Young people in here don't pass out when I say what I'm about to say. Okay? Brace yourself. I was 15 years old before I ever got my first pair of Nike. 15. And the only reason I got those, Brother Joel, is because my sister, who's 18 months older than I, knew how bad I wanted them. So she babysat and she took her babysitting money and bought me a pair of Nikes. My parents are like, you want shoes that cost 50 bucks? I know they're more than that now. That's how much they were then, 40 or 50 bucks? You buy them. If we're buying them, you're getting the Bobos. (laughs) They didn't call them that. See, what happens is... And please don't don't mistake the lightheartedness for what the Lord is trying to help us understand. He knows what we need. He knows what we need. And if we're not careful, we become children who come to our father with this list of what we want. And we're telling him, God, we need this. You need. And he's saying, I know what you need before you ask. And if you get some priorities aligned about where I am in relationship in your life and where you give me authority in your life, I'll deal with everything you need. He knows what we need. I'm going to finish verse 31. Watch what he says. Rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. They'll be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. I want you to see verse 32. This is so important, I'm finishing. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Would you stand with me this morning?
in this hour and this time in which we live. The Lord is desiring a people that will let him be our father. He wants to be our father. He wants to direct your life and direct my life. You can trust him to direct every facet of your life. You say, man, you don't know, you don't even know where I'm at right now. You don't even know what I'm going through. You don't even know where I easy for you to say. You hear me today. Hear the word of the Lord today. He knows what you have need of before you even ask him. That's true today. He knows the circumstances and the situation of your life, of your family, of your heart. He knows all of that and he knows what you need before you even ask him. But there's got to be a willingness in my life and a willingness in yours that says, all right, I've tried to do it my way. I've tried to do it in my own ability. And I don't care if it feels like everything's together in your life or it feels like everything's chaos. It doesn't matter which end of that spectrum you're on. The the thing is still true. I need Him to direct my life. You understand sometimes the only reason He keeps chaos in your life is so that you'll continue to need Him? The only reason he allows certain circumstances to operate in your life and happen in your home is so that you'll keep running back to him because he knows if he lets your life just be smooth and without trouble and without problem and without pressure that you wouldn't need him any longer and you would just say, I've got this, Lord. I'll call you when I need you. And so the love of a father, the mercy of a father, the desire of a father for a relationship with you says, I'm going to let there be enough stuff come into your life that reminds you, you need me so that you'll come back to me again. And I can tell you from my own experience, if I'm lifted up with pride, he'll bring you to a place. He'll bring me to a place. To where I realize I can't do it on my own. Is that the punishment of the Father? That's the love of the Father. That's the love of the Father. Drawing us to a place to work in our life and do what we cannot do ourselves. Some might say, Brother Hart, you make it sound like we're just... We're just like this incapable being that can't do anything in our own. Well, in some ways we are. I mean, really, try to picture your life before you knew God. How did you do? How did that go on your own? I know what kind of mess I've made along the way doing my own thing. But then what happens the more we fellowship Him and He fills us with His Spirit. And when He fills us with His Spirit, the Spirit of a Father, the Spirit of the Father, now He directs my life day by day. I'm sensitive to the leading of His Spirit. You become sensitive to the whisper of His voice. And decisions and choices, they may not become easier in terms of this is a hard decision, but they become easier to recognize this is what the Lord would have me to do. So I'm going to do what He would have me to do rather than what I would want to do because it will please Him. And He knows the end from the beginning. He's a good Father. 
He's a good father. I want to open this altar to you today. Give you a chance to respond to the word of the Lord. Where maybe he's dealt with you about areas where you've been trying to do it on your own. And he's inviting you. Inviting you to cast that on him one more time. Maybe you're facing a circumstance or a situation. You're not sure what the next step is. Can I encourage you to find a place and talk to the Lord. And let him impress and speak into your spirit what the next step should be. Come on, he's a good father. He knows what you have need of before you even ask him. You got to be willing to say, Lord, I think I know what I need, but I'm going to cast that off and I'm going to trust you to do what is needful in my life. I'm going to trust you to direct me so I make the right decision today. I'm going to trust you, Lord, and then tomorrow I'm going to do the same, and then the next day I'm going to do the same. I need you to direct my life, God. I can't do it, but you can. He loves you. He cares for you. He can direct every part of your life. He wants to. Don't go 10 or 20 years and then look back and say, I wish I would have made a decision then. Be willing today to humble yourself before God and say, direct my life. Every step, every choice, every action.
We just praise Him together right now. Whether you're sitting or standing, would you just lift your voice to Him? On the presence of the Lord is here ministering into hearts. Jesus, I reach to you. I receive of you, Father. I receive of you, Father. You know what is needful. In my mind, in my heart, in my spirit, in my life, I receive of you, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I receive of you, Father. I receive of you, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Spirit of the Lord washing over some minds this morning right now. I don't want to get in too much of a hurry right now. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is washing over some minds. He's he's delivering your... Some of you, your mind has been tormented and the Lord is delivering your mind right now. Receive. Let Him work in your mind and in your spirit. Jesus, I pray the renewing of the mind, the renewing of the mind to prove acceptable will of God in the name of Jesus Christ hallelujah hallelujah working of my thoughts that please you father in Jesus name come on that's true repentance repentance is a change of thinking a change of how I think that's repentance that's what the word repentance literally means is to change one's thinking Jesus I can't change it on my own I need the work of your spirit what some of you are feeling this morning the drawing of the spirit of God there comes it it happened early in the service the Lord was reaching to you and you feel sorrow for the way we've chosen to live our life that's called godly sorrow it works repentance it brings me to a place to where my thinking be changed by the spirit of god so i'll no longer go the direction i was going i'll no longer do the things i was doing that's produced by sorrow that god brings into my life so that then he does a work in my mind and my spirit so there's a change of thinking that's true repentance that's true repentance it's done by God not a work of a man it's true repentance in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus as we were praying with some today this came into my spirit we Many of us know what is called the Lord's Prayer in Scripture. And there's an element that says, Give us this day our daily bread. We've all heard that. When we choose to allow the Lord to truly be our Father and direct our life, and we submit to His fatherhood and His kingship in our life, One of the challenges of walking and trusting Him as our Father is He doesn't tell us what next week's going to look like. He doesn't tell us what next 
month is going to look like or next year. And when we're in the midst of a situation where we're wanting answers, we don't want answers for today. We want answers for the whole deal. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We have to be willing to trust Him daily. Lord, today, give direction for today. You see all this stuff that seems to be affecting my tomorrow, but you said to not give thought to it. You told me not to be of a doubtful mind. You know what I have need of before I even ask. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to meet the need today. I'm asking you for daily bread today. I'm asking you for direction for my life today. And I'll make those decisions based on your influence and instruction in my life today. And then when I begin tomorrow, Lord, when it's tomorrow, I'll talk to you again about today. And let him direct my life today. Let him direct your life today. I promise you he knows what tomorrow looks like. I promise you he knows what next week and next month and next year looks like. But if he told you and I what next week and next month and next year look like, you know what would happen? You and I would start trying to make it happen. Because that's our human nature. Okay, then I got it, God. Thanks for letting me know. I'll take care of it now. And so he says, just trust me again today. Praise God. Aren't you thankful? That if we allow him, he'll be a father to us and we can be children to him. Amen. Praise God. God bless you today. Thank you for being here. If you are a father, I understand we have something for you. And you don't have to share it. There's chocolate for you. So somebody that said, I need chocolate not a dad sister Sally maybe you can be really nice to brother Tim and he'll hook you up amen we have chocolate we were going to get you roses like the mom but we figured you didn't amen praise God if you're a dad come help yourself today God bless you